And I always tell people that show business, you just have to understand if you go into that field mm. that it is a cartoon, that you're mm. living in a cartoon mm. and your best day yeah. is better than other people's best day where mm -hmm. they will literally back the Brinks truck up to your house mm -hmm. and your worst day is worse than the average person's worst day mm. because it's not only a bad day but it's a public humiliation yes. where you get an anvil dropped on your head yeah. and everybody's talking about it. That's right. You're not just like a, a wallpaper. Welcome to the Whole Student Podcast with Cal Balaban. Whole Student refers to the magical moment when a student is fully seen, heard, and known. This is the spark of a relationship between student and teacher where the former is catalyzed on a journey beyond what they thought possible, and the latter is a proud advisor cheering from the sidelines. The whole student podcast asks guests to reflect back to their moment, to the person who became a transformative teacher in their lives, and on the journey they were set upon, our guest today is Les Firestein. Les is a five-time Emmy-nominated TV writer, screenwriter, and polymath. Getting his start as a humorist for Stanford's The Chaparral Magazine, Les graduated and worked as an editor and writer for the National Lampoon, where famously he wrote a story in 1990 about Donald Trump's desire to conquer North America. In his words, after putting that idea in God's head, Les pivoted to Hollywood as a head writer and showrunner of TV's In Living Color. He won multiple NAACP Image Awards and numerous People's Choice Awards for that show. Over more than two decades in show business, Les has worked with some of the marquee talent in Hollywood. Names like Eddie Murphy, Jim Carrey, Steve Carell, Dave Chappelle, Wanda Sykes, Martin Lawrence. And then Les decides to move to Montecito with his wife Gwen to raise their family. But just when they move, tragedy strikes. Montecito is overrun by debris flow in 2018. It was Les who developed the program to protect the town from future mudslides with debris nets imported from Switzerland. Les was born and raised in New York City, where he attended the Collegiate School for Boys, then the University of Chicago, and then Stanford. Les did postgraduate work at NYU Film in Columbia. It is my great pleasure to welcome Les Firestein to the Whole Student Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, I'm going to start you off with a question mm -hmm. that I've asked all the guests. Describe yourself as a student. So the answer is I was very good mm. and very bad. Mm. So I, I would say that a, a, an issue that I had was if I loved the subject mm -hmm. or loved the teacher, mm -hmm. I'd get an A. Okay. If I didn't like the teacher, mm -hmm. uh, I, was, I had a problem with authority at that particular mm -hmm. point, mm -hmm. meaning my entire student life. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I might do very poorly. Got it. And... and for lack of a better phrase, I would say it was not uncommon for me to step to a teacher. Oh, interesting. Okay, we'll get into some of those stories in a minute. So, so my so my yeah. grades were, I would say they were like A's and C's, occasional D, mm -hmm. one F. Wow. Okay. That was my French teacher. We really did not get along. Okay. You speak any French now? I, you know, I took French in college and mm -hmm. got in an accelerated class, got A pluses. Wow. So I think the interesting thing is it was all about the conflict. It was all about I the see. drama. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's a, I think that's a takeaway for you. Yeah. I'm saying if, if people 
are you know having a, a productive, peaceful time, mm-hmm. uh, enhancing experience with their you know with their teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, can be great. Absolutely. And the reverse is true. And I think it's you know the two parts of that relationship. That's true. We often focus on the reverse, but we'll go both places today. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so take us to the moment where you first felt fully seen, heard, and known by a teacher. Well, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you about two of those experiences. Oh, uh, great. So one of them was, you know, you, you, you spoke of my bio. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I went to private school, mm-hmm. like I would say a very well-to-do private school like yeah. Dunn, yeah. Uh, I was in public school wow. in Harlem. Okay. But before I was in the public school in Harlem, I was in a private school in Greenwich Village that I would describe as like very crunchy hippie. Okay. The problem with that, and that school went out of business. Okay. Uh, they didn't really care about education. Got it. They cared about, they only cared about the relationship between mm. the students and the teachers. And they weren't teaching us like to read or do math or anything. Okay. So at a certain point, my mom asked, my teacher, she right. said, I think it's a problem that Les doesn't know how to read or write. And, you know, he's mm. like done with first grade. And she said, I don't think that's a problem. She wow. said, she said, the only important thing is that Les loves me. And my mom said, no, the important thing <laughs> is that he loves me. You need to teach him to read and write. So they took me out of that school. It's an interesting mm. thing. Whatever people's image might be of uh, public school in Harlem in the 60s, I'm coming out of private school, and I had to be tutored all summer. To catch up? So that I didn't get left back. But this is second grade. Second grade. That's how far behind I was, right? So I had to be tutored all summer, Mm. and I had this great tutor. That was the first person who, like, understood my problem. Uh Uh-huh. And also knew how to incentivize me. Okay. Now, in this particular case, she incentivized me with kindness uh-huh. and candy. Okay. And back then, that was, you know, we hadn't really heard of diabetes. And uh, <laughs> so she would, uh-huh. um, she's like, if you get all these things right, there was a candy store a block down that my right. parents would never take me to. Uh-huh. And so we would go there after basically that. So it was very uh, Pavlovian. Yeah. It was very, you know, carrot and stick. Yeah. Um, but it worked. Well, it seemed like all carrots. Yeah, yeah. mostly carrots. Yeah, yeah, I never felt the stick in yeah, that particular yeah, case. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that way I managed to not get left back. Mm-hmm. And then I did well in public school. Mm-hmm. But that was, a very, that was a very challenging place to be. So PS what? 198. PS 198. Mm-hmm. You get there. Did you feel out of place? At first, no, because I didn't really understand race. Can I speak of all these things? Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't understand the meaning of any of that. Okay. And uh, but I would say there were like five or six people in the whole school of five or six hundred yeah. that, that looked like me. Right. So that basically didn't and, work out. And you're the only one that came from that private school that closed down. Yes. So yeah, you're, exactly. you're completely out of place. I'm, yeah, I'm com- yeah, I'm pretty out of place. Yeah. And there, you know, there were fights all the time, and and you know, just all kinds of stuff. Okay, okay. Gangs, et cetera, et cetera. Even at that early age, but in the early ages, in the early stages of gang, it was just like a broken off bottle. Oh, yeah. It was like from a Michael Jackson gang. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, from like any, beat any, it. Any dance offs? Yeah, we had big dance offs. Yeah, yeah. Those were rough. Did you lose all those? <laughs> so. <laughs> You're right. I did lose them all. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That was not my strong suit. Yeah. 
Okay. So, you, so, so, so I had this, this tutor who did a great job yeah. with me, um, and it was the first time, it was like really the first tutor, the first teacher that really engaged wow. with me. Wow. And then I would say because of the, I mean, I can go into detail, but because of the problems at PS 198, mm. which was just, basically it was violence, right? Mm. I was dealing with, with conflict and violence all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my father was a psychiatrist. He never left the house. So oh. he had... One apartment he lived in, uh-huh. and one apartment that he practiced in. Got it. Rarely went out, so he didn't understand. Like, no, there's all kinds of stuff going on outside these doors. Yes. Um, so he basically had to suck it up and send me to a private school. Mm. So then I went from being probably very extremely well to do in a poor, you know, poorer school mm-hmm. to then I became the poorest kid in the rich kid school. Wow. And uh, at that school, I'm, ge- I'm getting to answer your question yeah, yeah, about yeah. another teacher who was an influence. It was really, you know, this is a place we had to wear a jacket and tie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your students have to wear that here in 100-degree no. weather. No. <laughs> um, me. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, so when I got to that school, it was very important yeah. to me not to be left behind got again. It. Got it. Right? And what, grade, what grade are you in now? I'm now, I um, started in fifth. Okay, got it. And I didn't want, like, these rich kids, you know, to make me feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, feel, like, less than. So you knew that going in. You knew they were the rich kids and you... Well, not only did I know they were the rich kids, but, like, John John Kennedy went to my school. He was in the grade above me, and it was a tiny school. Wow. And he had a Secret Service detail that followed him all the time. So we went to school with the Secret Service. And so you knew people were different. Yeah, yeah. And they just had... They had... uh, even though we live today in Montecito, yeah. at that point, people had a wealth that I couldn't even get my head around. Mm. So I'll just say, like, there was a kid mm. who was like, hey, do you want to do, like, baseball? I'd never been to a baseball game. Mm. And this kid's like, well, just go downstairs, go downstairs at your house. I'm going to send my driver by to get you. Wow. And we're going to go to the Yankee game. Wow. So we go to the Yankee game. It's like great seats. And it's me and this kid and his driver. And there's a fourth seat just for the coats. Wow. And he used to call that seat Joe Coat. I said, who's the fourth person? He's like, that's Joe Coat. Joe Coat. So anyway, wow. that was a different place. Yeah. But there was one uh, outstanding teacher there named Mr. Mitchell. His name was George Mitchell. George Mitchell. And he was like someone from like, I don't know, Dead Poets Society. I don't know oh. if that's like yeah. a word that gets tossed around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was very charismatic and very demanding. And it was like, uh, I mean, he was like kind of a screamer. He was like, um, mm. I don't know, what was he like? The the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket or something. Oh He's goodness. like going to yeah. teach us to be little men, and we dress like little. So, men. what class was it? Subject class or grade level class? No, it was a great. It's like he's your homeroom teacher, yeah. and and then we took a lot of classes from him, and then we had a couple of other specialists. But wait, hold on. Earlier, you said you don't like authority. Correct. And so... But, the, but I had a different thing going at the same time. Okay. I, A, don't like authority, uh-huh. although my full wise acidness had not kicked in yet. Fair enough. Um, but more important to me at that moment was not being inferior to these kids who had every advantage. Ah, okay. Right? So okay. that, for me, it's like I just wanted to do well. And if and I think I was probably testing my authority against this guy because okay. he was going to grind me down and I was going to withstand it. Wow. You know, this is kind of, it was, I don't want to overstate it and say it was like the Marines or boot yeah, camp, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was like that. Like mm. he was going to let me know that I was lesser than, and mm. 
I was going to prove that I wasn't, and I and yeah. so I so it was very important to me to do well, and I studied mm-hmm. really hard, and mm. I had a very very difficult. This our school was really difficult. Wow. So I pulled like before I graduated, I pulled like twenty one all nighters. Wow. And uh, like I, I don't think I ever pulled an all nighter in college. Wow. Right. So it was pretty intense, pretty competitive. Wow. Tiny class, you couldn't hide. Hmm. So there's 28, I don't know what you have here. We had 28 kids in a grade. Okay, wow. And so he's he, challenging. He's challenging me, and but ultimately I think I won his respect just because ultimately I could do the things, the demanding things he was asking, which was reciting really long poems uh, and Shakespeare sonnets and all kinds of stuff that are just, I would call it building the muscles and flexing the muscles of your brain. Uh, all right, fair enough. But how mm. did you know that he, he, you'd won his respect? What, what did he do or show or well, say? Well, it being like, I'm going to say it being New York. Well, first of all, you get your A. Yeah. So you're sure. like, oh, I must have done. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So I did that right. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of an oddity is like you're in New York City. You're not as spread out as you are here. So yeah, you might okay. run into your teachers outside uh-huh. of school and uh-huh. outside of school they frequently treated us differently okay i had one teacher come to me so i wasn't planning on saying this after that school he visited me in college he visited me at the university of chicago and this wow. guy said he said you're you know you're the reason i gave up teaching oh wow and I, and I and he's like he's like no it's okay i appreciate it and i said why am i the reason and he said because i was very disruptive he said, but you were really funny, and I found you funny. Mm-hmm. He said, and because I found you funny, I knew this was not the right profession for me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so he wound up doing something else that I wow. think made, it, you know, made him feel more. That's a podcast first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're ending teachers' careers yes. along the way. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, so, so when I ran into yeah. Mr. Mitchell on the yeah. street, he was like kinder to me. And, uh, and, you know, because he's also, you got to remember, a teacher is not only teaching you, but the teacher is also performing for their class. Of course. And they have an image to portray to their class. Yeah. So he, it was very important to this guy to come across as fierce, mm. um, you know, come across as, as the martinet, the drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of class, he was like more relaxed. And, yeah, yeah. And, and I got the sense just from body language and stuff like that, that he liked me. Okay. Did you stay in touch with him? Yeah, I did stay in touch with him for a while. Okay. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know. Schools can change like any other place. He was eventually let go. Uh There was like no great crime behind it, but Uh um, he got like phased out. Wow. But he was, that was a really important teacher to me. I had a teacher also in uh, at University of Chicago, a philosophy professor. And he was just like the smartest guy I'd ever met. He seemed to know everything. Mm -hmm. And I went up to that guy during his office hours where people are asking questions about philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you seem, to, I said, you seem to know everything. Mm-hmm. I said, what is the key to life? Mm. I said, you've read it all. You know, he's got his PhD yeah, and all yeah. that. I said, what is, what is the answer to life? Yeah. And he said, I really don't know the answer to life. Yeah. He said, but I do know, I wish I had developed my slider and I said, what do you mean develop your slider? And he said, I was a really good pitcher in high school. Yeah. And I had a good fastball, but I didn't have any other pitch. Hmm. And I really enjoyed baseball. Yeah. And I feel like if I developed a slider, I would have had a different mm-hmm. life. 
Mm. Now, he wasn't unhappy as a philosophy professor, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I think he was trying to say, like, do something you enjoy. Did that stay with you? Stayed with me very much so. Yeah. So did you develop your slider? Uh, I developed my slider. I just I leaned into what I was good at, okay. which, which, which seemed to be comedy. might not seem like it on this podcast, mm -hmm. but uh, <laughs> no, I've been doing comedy like kind of my, my yeah. whole life. And yeah. like I said, I've been disruptive. Defying authority. Always defied authority, yeah. The most truthful person in the kingdom is a jester. Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. speaking truth as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. I did that. I, I was a, a speaker at my high school graduation. Wow. I was not the valedictorian, but I was the, the speaker who was yeah. chosen by the class. And I think I spoke a lot of truth. Interestingly, mm -hmm. when I was cleaning out my parents' apartments on a recent mm -hmm. trip to New York, mm -hmm. uh, we found a, a cassette tape of that, which I'll have to play. Oh, absolutely. And make available to all of your uh, of viewers and listeners. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's wonderful. Now, you told me a story once, not mm -hmm. on the podcast, yeah. um, about that wisecracking attitude, that the hijinks you'd get into, especially when you felt like, a school promised you something, yes, and you didn't get what you promised. Can you walk us through that particular yeah, incident? Absolutely, absolutely. Cause no one else has heard it. I've got to, I've got to out myself. I've got to confess. It's, it's all right. <laughs> it's you know? okay. Yeah, statute I think of limitations. Statute like, is yeah, absolutely. On that. So I was, uh, I was, I'd gone after college. I went to NYU film school for a year. Yeah, I thought I wanted to get into show business. Yeah, um, and uh, I thought it. I think the technical term is sucked. It kind yeah. of sucked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because I thought like people were talking a lot about film, but we weren't really making that much yeah. film. So I, was I talked to my writing professor at NYU Film, and I said, seems like the program's not so great here. He's like, well, you shouldn't be here if you want to learn how to write. He's like, you should be at Columbia. He's yeah. like, Columbia has the good writing program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I was a guy who, I was not afraid to transfer. Yeah. If I didn't like where I was, I'm like, yeah. well, let's just try this other thing. Yeah. So I transferred to Columbia, and the big appeal of Columbia University was a director who's a big Oscar winner back in the day named Milos Forman. Yeah. He directed a movie called uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's That's Nest. Right. And he had directed Amadeus. He'd won a whole bunch of yeah. Oscars for that. And so um, Columbia was making a lot of hay out of Milos Forman yeah. being the chairman of the program. Yeah. So I get to Columbia University, and he is, this is not an exaggeration, he is never there. Mm -hmm. He's not like lightly there. It's not like, oh, he's going to his office at night and I'm just <laughs> missing him. He's never, ever there. So yeah. I'm feeling kind of like a fool. I'm yeah. like, I've, you know, uh, gone to one film school, right. now a second film school right. because the guy, it's like you're told, well, you have to visit the Wizard of Oz. And then it's like, well, the, the Wizard of Oz is never in Oz. Never, never he's knows. never there. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this can't stand. I can't yeah. let let this fly. <laughs> so that particular point in New York City was like when the milk carton and missing child posters I were, were, those, yeah. were popular. Or they yeah. were just starting to become a thing. Yeah, yeah. So what I did is I went in at night and I printed missing person posters for Milos Forman. Yeah. And I printed them and put them all over the school. Yeah. And I might have borrowed the keys from a janitor and, yeah, got, yeah. and gotten into the faculty offices and posted those posters in all the offices as well, including his office. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, Well, that's what he'd be found, right? If he, was, right? <laughs> if he yeah. were ever there. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah. so it was interesting, the, re the re school reaction to that, because um, people both 
I think people knew that I did it or thought that I was the likely candidate mm. to have done something mm-hmm. like that. It was certainly the kind of thing that I would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you had half the students who thought that was great, that I was like, you know, sticking it to the man yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And then it being the entry level of show business, you had half the students are trying to offer up my head to Milos Forman yeah. and to the dean oh. um, saying, we know who did this. And yeah. they all said, you know, it's less. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> and, but I knew because I, I feel like I can be an excellent uh, criminal when mm-hmm. motivated. I knew no one had seen me. Mm-hmm kind of pre-video security yeah, camera yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean they probably existed then but yeah, they yeah, were yeah. very large and view- and seeable Fair enough. so um anyway i knew no one had seen me mm-hmm. so of course the next thing to do was do another yeah was like do a different one <laughs> so then i printed up another one uh and meanwhile the school was escalating as well they were they thought more of these could be this kind of activity could be coming mm-hmm um, so they hired a security guard to like mm. patrol the place. Okay. I sent a pizza to the security guard. Mm-hmm. He went somewhere else mm-hmm. so that I could put up uh, these rebate. It was an offer for a rebate from Columbia University. Oh, that wonderful. Was the second yeah. One. Yeah. And it said that we that Columbia University felt badly for all the students who had who had come to that program because Milos Foreman was there and mm-hmm. we were aware he's never mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So if you fill out this form um yeah we'll give you your money back yeah and with the second one i think i did a total of four the new york post got wind of the story yeah on page six which is their big gossip you know their sensational gossip page and uh they ran the story well pretty much as i had written it and submitted it to them yeah and uh then it was like a big (laughs) It was a really big thing yeah. uh, at the school, yeah. and I was called into the dean's office yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, accused of all these things. Yeah, but no one saw you. No one saw me, yeah. and, you know, the big takeaway is deny, deny, deny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so here's this moment, uh, and it's an educational moment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what you, in many ways, you were sticking it to the man, but you're also trying to educate upward, mm-hmm. right? And, Absolutely. And what's the lesson there? Um, well, I, first of all, I think you can break the law when the law is unjust or that's when right. there is an injustice. Mm. That's that's my belief. Yeah. Not all, we, as we know from the history of this country and many other countries, mm. not all laws were fair. Mm. Who set up those laws? Mm. So that was one takeaway. Yeah. And then I think almost always, you could probably look at a couple of shows I've done, you go, what were you? Who are you educating with that? Yeah. So with a couple of exceptions, mm-hmm. um, I think I do try to educate through humor. Mm. H- humor is like the sugar coating on the Advil, right? <laughs> that's like, Fair that enough. makes it easy to swallow. Yeah, that's right. right. You're that's just right. like, and then I feel like it kind of haunts people sometimes after mm. something you do that mm. um, they're not sure whether they feel a little unsettled or they mm-hmm. feel differently about something. I feel like, through humor, change is starts unconsciously, subconsciously, and mm. it starts to bubble up. Okay. We can get into that more later. Okay. But I do have that belief. Okay. Um, mm. So this season on the show, we really want to sit down with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You are an entrepreneur in terms of your writing. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur in terms of social entrepreneurship, um, the things that you're working on. Was there a person that inspired your entrepreneurial journey? 
gave you the courage to be your own boss? I wouldn't say that there was a person. Mm. Well, first of all, you know, I think we're all weird. I think ev- yeah. I think if you get to know anybody well enough, they're mm. crazy, mm. right? If if you really excavate yeah. and yeah. Er- unearth the stuff. Yeah. One of the weird things I don't even think my wife knows this about me. Like since I was a kid, mm-hmm. this is like Michael J. Fox from Family Ties. Mm-hmm. I would read Forbes. In mm. particular, I would read like the Forbes 400, like the richest oh, people in the world. And it's just like, huh. how did they do this, right? Huh. Now, we know, we all know better to an extent today. We go, yeah. well, a lot of this is generational. Mm. A lot of those stories mm. are, I would call them self-mythologized, oh, right? This is yeah. a story. Yeah. Let's just take for a quick example, Elon Musk. You know, okay. so oh, I'm up from nothing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but maybe his parents had an emerald mine in South yeah, Africa, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So I was just curious, like, what's the formula? Mm. I think that was in my in my DNA and mm. probably in my household. Mm. My father's a doctor. His father's a doctor. Wow. My mother's father is a doctor. It's wow. like, we're looking at DNA. What's the formula for longevity? What's mm-hmm. the long, you know, what's the formula for health? Mm. Um so I think I was looking mm. at a formula for life. Like, how do you become really successful? And I think, and mm. what I mean by that is, I think I equated money with freedom. Okay. In other words, the freedom to do what you want, the freedom to take risks and stuff like that. I probably have a somewhat different okay. attitude towards it um, today. Okay. Um, but anyway, in terms of entrepreneurship, yeah. it seemed like the entrepreneur's had more of the kind of life that I wanted to have. Right. That being said, people, I think, often conflate showbiz people. They're like, oh, you're so entrepreneurial. You did your comedy routine and you did right, 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 right. this. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you made something out of nothing. Okay. But if you work in show business, by and large, with mm. very few exceptions, people are working through a system that is in mm. place. Mm. And it's actually not entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. it's uh, it was entrepreneurial 100 years ago when the jack warners when the warner brothers set up something yeah uh but everybody since then is working in that in within that system now there are obviously there are exceptions there are certain Mm -hmm. people who went their own route Hmm. theoretically the Tyler Perry's yeah, theoretically. Yeah, yeah, sure, I don't know sure, the sure. full story there. Sure, sure. But I'm just saying, you know, that when his own route, he didn't go the traditional studio route. He mm-hmm. definitely is an, uh, you know, an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, for me, for all, I would say, for as many successes yeah. as I had in show business, I had as many failures. And and that's by the way, if you're fifty fifty, that's a really good batting average <laughs> for for that's show good. business. Okay. Um, and you know. Getting old in show business is like getting old in the NFL. It's mm. like you're getting uh, higher odds of a concussion mm. the longer you stick, a, mm. <laughs> or higher higher odds of brain damage oh of some God. kind. Yeah. Um, and I had that sense in show business. I never loved show business. Mm. I loved all the byproducts of show business. Sure. And so, for every great success that I had, yeah, I had a bizarre. Uh, Unsuccess, or let's, or we could call we could call it a you know a failure. Okay. And I always tell people that show business, you just have to understand if you go into that field mm. that it is a cartoon that you're mm. living in a cartoon, mm. and your best day yeah. is better than other people's best day, where mm-hmm. they will literally back the Brinks truck up to your house, mm-hmm. and your worst day is worse than the average person's worst day mm. because it's not only a bad day. 
but it's a public humiliation yes. where you get an anvil dropped on your head yeah. and everybody's talking about it. That's right. You're not just like a, a wallpaper hanger who's like, oh, I screwed up. I'll have to redo that again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. are just, you know, yeah. you, you have flop Analyzing sweat. It. Yes. You have flop there, yeah. sweat. You're toxic. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I remember being at a party at a certain point and Sylvester Stallone was at this party mm-hmm. and he was on, on the outs. And, uh, and I was with a celebrity, and people kept talking to the celebrity, saying, do not be seen, but do not be in a picture with Sylvester Stallone. Mm. And that, that person's job was to make sure that they were never in proximity wow. to Sylvester Stallone at a, at a point when wow. both of them could be in frame wow. at the same time. So I'm just saying, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a rough business. Mm. I'm saying, like, aging out of the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I used to have these, you know, like I said, cartoonish successes mm. and cartoonish failures. Mm-hmm. And I had this one cartoonish failure, which turned, I'm going to say turned out to be the last one, mm-hmm. where I, I had written a series for uh, uh, a certain network. Mm-hmm. And the network president called me up. He said, uh, he called me at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, cause it was his 9 a.m. Yeah. That's typical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In New York. He said, hey, I'm just telling you that we're going to do your series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be as many episodes as you want it to be. Uh-huh. He said as many, uh, whatever you're comfortable with for okay. the first season. If you want to do eight, do eight. If you want uh-huh. to do 12, do 12. And you're just like, great, I'm golden. I, I pulled it out. Mm. I didn't hear from him for about another month. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, he's like, well, turns out everybody has a boss. This is true. Bill Gates has a boss. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, my boss said we're actually not going to do any shows this season. Mm. And at that point in my life, I was like, well, I can't calibrate my life Around. to yeah. this, yeah. to this kind of uh, capriciousness. Yeah. And so I was very fortunate in that mm-hmm. my wife had bought a newspaper, mm-hmm. Montecito Journal, mm-hmm. and I just pitched to her at a certain point. I said, you know, you guys should really do an architecture and design magazine. Yeah. And she's like, great. And she you know, obviously spoke to her other investors. Right. And uh, they all said, great. And I said, but you have to understand, if I do an architecture and design magazine, mm-hmm. it's got to be my flavor. Like, I yeah. can't do what's out there because I think those things are, like, kind of boring and mundane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So mine would, like, have an attitude. Yeah. And she said, do that. I see. And, uh, and there I, it is. In the Riv. Yeah. yeah, the Riv. Yeah, now you're about two, three issues deep. We're, well, we're we're two and three deep. We're about to yeah. put out the second one, wow. and and we've already, um, you know, figured out the third one. That's awesome. So yeah, so we're turning awesome. along, and and I'm happy to say it's very successful. So here's the question. Yes, you go DNA, mm-hmm. doctor, 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 doctor. Mm-hmm. You go into show business, right? But you have this tickler in your mind. Mm-hmm. I wish I worked on my slider. Mm-hmm. Is the rib your slider? It is. It brings together two different things mm-hmm. that I did my whole life. So one was kind of writing comedy, mm-hmm. and the other was I was always fascinated with design. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there's a natural reason for that, which mm-hmm. is that my mother is an artist and was an interior decorator. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my father was, uh, and we had scientists like throughout the family. Yeah, yeah. Now. Going back to your question, like, well, well why show business yeah. in the first place? Yeah. When you have all these doctors, obviously, yeah. I was yeah. supposed to be a doctor. Yeah. A, I don't think I was great at it. I'm somewhat science minded, but I just don't think I was great at it. But another thing happened, which I would urge all of your student listeners to pay attention to, which was I had a sense 
about the people around me, the people, mm-hmm. the family I'm growing up with. Yeah, yeah. And I just went, these people do not seem happy. Mm. That was the that was that what was informed point, it all. Yeah, I just absolutely. went, okay, they've they're accomplished, mm. they're moving up the ladder absolutely. and all that kind of thing, but they didn't seem like happy people. So now you're not looking at the Forbes list, you're looking at a happiness index. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wonderful. And I just go, mm. isn't it possible to make a living? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm pretty funny, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so couldn't I couldn't I combine mm. these two, you know, these two things? And then ultimately, you know, so I had a I, I loved my run in show business. Yeah. I had a great run. Yeah. Loved it. But then I got, like like I said, ultimately kind of fed up with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it got fed up with me as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I had this opportunity yeah. t- um, to combine my two loves because mm-hmm. I'd built a lot of houses. Mm-hmm. My early days as a writer, I supported myself doing carpentry and business mm-hmm. renovation you know, yeah, and, and yeah. doing renovations on buildings yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I had seen architecture and design from a different angle absolutely and i'd hung with the guys who did it yeah so i knew what was really going on yeah, with these yeah, houses yeah, 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 and yeah. i knew the behind the scenes and i i, I could just say I, I knew the subterfuge yeah i knew the show there yeah. was a lot of show business absolutely in in building a house and pleasing wow. a client yeah um so yeah i got to combine those two things into this publication and there is a perceived authority mm-hmm that you're speaking truth to. Absolutely. Truth to power, right? Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, we ask all our guests towards the end this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I gave you a magic wand mm-hmm. and you can pull up five of your life's teachers to a dinner, mm-hmm. who would they be and describe that dinner? Well, it's pizza, first okay. of all. all right. <laughs> because... yeah. What's better than pizza? So you're getting the security guard to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's yeah. So it's going to be pizza, and you go. Well, who are the who are the yeah. five teachers there? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's. I would say there's some obvious choices yeah. because I want it to be a lively conversation. Mm-hmm. So I go. All right. Well, let's go. Do they have to have been my teachers? Well, I say life's teachers because. They could have actually been your classroom teachers, mm-hmm. right? Or they could be like your tutor, or they could be like the person whose career you ended. Mm-hmm. Or they could be, or they could be people that you read, or you followed, or you, you know, it was interesting. You, right? Oh, I want to t- say an, what I think is an interesting thing. Yeah, is that you tell me if you agree with this or not? But um, I believe you never know where the wisdom comes from in life. You okay. never, and what I mean by that is, you never know where the light bulbs are. Mm-hmm. You never know where the lightning bolts are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that I could tell you I don't even like at this point. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point in my life, when I was thirty-six years old, right. my, my life was like not what I thought it was going to be in a bad way. I had okay. broken up with someone I was engaged to, oh, or wow, the, the, you wow. know, the relationship had ended. Yeah, and I was in a certain sense successful, but I wasn't like thrilled i just wasn't thrilled yeah and i remember saying to these people who were my friends then mm-hmm. i said i just never uh, you know i i i thought i was going to have a normal life mm-hmm. i really thought i was going to have a normal life when i was engaged to this person mm-hmm. and they said to me why do you think that they said you would hate a normal life <laughs> they're like why don't you get off this idea of yeah. a normal life yeah that was a really 
that it wasn't my epiphany, yeah. but just hearing that those people right. who who happen to be uh, acupuncturists, okay, um, they uh, that was an incredible moment for you. piece of wisdom. That was that was really okay. teach you know I don't, Te- I, I don't teachable know if, moment teachable or it was just like that was an injection of wisdom that okay. would, that freed me incredibly okay. to just go oh stuff can be different okay I don't and I don't need to to go back to the Forbes thing I don't need to follow yeah this guy's path right or Warren Buffett's path or no. something and it's that whole idea of like you may have to build your own path okay which is you know. Which is what the riv is. Okay. Like, no one would ever say, put humor, and you know, put humor in a in a shelter publication and a yeah, design sure. publication. Sure. Um, you know, th- there are people th- that you know that I would love to meet that were not my teachers. So there's you know Einstein, Malcolm X, Galileo. Mm. You know, people who um, who who broke the mold. You know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that dinner, you know, I would love to have the guy who didn't develop his slider. I'd love to talk to him more mm, about that. Yeah. Um, uh, my father, wow. who did not, we did not always get along great, yeah. which is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, my father has said some incredibly, I don't even know if they're inadvertent. He's said profound things to me. Wow. And he's talked about people who were searching. And my father said, I remember him saying to me once, um, he said, if you don't know what you're looking for, it's very hard to find it. Mm. Now, maybe that's not so deep, but that's but I think that's deep. Yeah, fair enough. You know, it's like, what are you in life mm. for your younger viewers mm-hmm. and listeners? Mm-hmm. I think you always need to be swimming towards something. Mm. So there's a series of buoys out okay. there. Or if you're even if you're lost at sea, okay, you've got to pick a direction and swim towards that okay. direction until that either proves to be the right direction mm. or the wrong direction. Fair enough. So it almost seems like you have two philosophers at the table right now. Mm-hmm. Your dad and profound mm-hmm. statements and your philosophy professor. Yeah. You got three more slots. Einstein, Malcolm X, Galileo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rich conversation, the depth. The depth of that conversation? Yeah. Well, maybe I have a wee bit of arrogance mm. because I do have my own belief mm. about life mm. that probably has something to do with religion mm-hmm. and something to do with philosophy. Oh, interesting. And I'm, I mean, I'm willing to share that. Mm-hmm. And then what I would do is I would propound that. Mm-hmm. And I would say, this is my thesis. Mm. And I'm curious to know, do you agree or, d- or disagree? Mm. I would ask that of the other people at the table. So and, and I can tell you the gist of that. I'll just tell you the gist of that. Him. Which is, I believe that knowledge is not necessarily the answer. Mm. And I believe if you look at the history of humankind, mm-hmm. the more people know, they're not necessarily happier. Mm. And so you have to be aware of that, mm. that, the, that the path to knowledge mm-hmm. and enlightenment Mm-hmm. may not be the path to bliss. Mm-hmm. You just have to be aware of that. Fair enough. And proceed to, on either path. I think mm-hmm. proceed on the path to bliss with caution, mm-hmm. to, to exclusive bliss yeah. with caution, yeah. and proceed on the path to knowledge with caution. Makes sense. So, hmm. 
That's my fudging of your of an answer to Fair that enough. question. I, I knew you were going to skirt authority, so yeah, you know, like I couldn't just I, go I, at yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Les, it's been wonderful. It's been a lot of firsts in this conversation. I uh, want to thank you for sharing your story, sharing your spirit, the energy with us, uh, letting the learners who listen reflect on the teachers they've had in their life and the moments of wisdom, the lightning bolts and the light bulbs. Um, and where that inspiration may come from. Uh, also, to inspire the young entrepreneurs uh, that might be inspired by your story. Uh, thank you. Much love. Appreciate it. Thank you. you for having me here. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. As we say on the podcast, class dismissed. The Whole Student Podcast has been brought to you by Duncast, produced by JD Scroggin the Director of Marketing and Communication at the Dunn School and co-produced by Brandon Scott of Comfort Food. Thank you for joining us.